This is the Tao of Christ, and I am Marshall Davis. In this episode, I begin reading from my 2013 book, Experiencing God Directly, The Way of Christian Non-Duality. We can know God directly. We can have immediate awareness of oneness with God in the present moment. It is not mediated through a church, a religion, a creed, or a spiritual path. This is not theological knowledge about God. It is not a religious experience facilitated by a worship service. It is not a spiritual experience elicited by religious disciplines or practices. It is not a revelation of God mediated through scripture or communicated by spiritual teachers. This is direct, unmediated awareness of God. Jesus called this the kingdom of God. He experienced it at his baptism and it was his earliest message. Jesus described it to Nicodemus as being born of the Spirit. The Apostle Paul referred to it as being in Christ. It was Moses' experience of God as I am at the burning bush. It was the experience of Job when he met God in the whirlwind. It produces what the New Testament calls the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, qualities like love, joy, and peace. It is the peace that surpasses all human understanding. It is sometimes called non-dual awareness. This is just another term for union with God. It is the experience of mystics in the Christian tradition. It is echoed in other spiritual traditions. It is the way, the truth, and the life that is Jesus Christ. This is the heart of Christianity. And it is available now. All we have to do is wake up to this always present awareness of God. This podcast is about this ancient and primordial way. This is the Tao of Christ. Experiencing God Directly, The Way of Christian Non-Duality by Marshall Davis Introduction What is Non-Dual Christianity? This book is about experiencing God directly. It is not meant to give the reader new spiritual insights or a better understanding of God. It's not trying to communicate theological knowledge about God gleaned from scripture and expressed in ideas and concepts. It's not about designing a worship service with the right mix of music, words, and symbolism in order to prompt a religious experience of God. It's not about achieving an elevated mental state through spiritual disciplines like prayer and meditation. This book is meant to point the reader to direct unmediated awareness of God, complete, all-consuming, experiential oneness with God. My life as a Christian pastor has convinced me that most religious people hunger for first-hand experience of the divine. They are not very interested in religion with its doctrines, rituals, commandments, and bureaucracies. They will not settle for church programs, self-help workshops, or spiritual novelties. 
They do not need more spiritual books on their bookshelves or more spiritual insights in their minds. They may put up with organized religion and spiritual teachers, but only if they might lead to a genuine spiritual encounter. Non-dual Christianity is experiential spirituality. It is an immediate experience of oneness with God, Christ, and all of creation. It is unity with all that exists. This may sound like pantheism to some Christians, but I assure you it is not. Pantheism is a religious philosophy, a philosophical worldview, an intellectual understanding of the universe. Christian non-duality is not an intellectual understanding. It is a direct apprehension of the divine. It transcends thought and religion. Divine reality is by nature beyond the reach of human language. Some purists will say that to talk about Christian non-duality is already dualistic. Non-dualism cannot be Christian, or any religion for that matter. Religions, including Christianity, are relative and part of this dualistic world. That is true. But you have to describe non-dualism somehow. If we're going to try to communicate the unspeakable, we have to use language. Religious traditions have developed a culturally established vocabulary to describe spiritual experience. The vocabulary I know best is the language of Christianity. Therefore, I describe non-duality in Christian terms. Expressed in language more familiar to Christians, this book is about knowing God. It is about recognizing the unity that we already have, the one in whom we live and move and have our being, as the Apostle Paul described God to the Athenian philosophers. Non-duality is another word for oneness. Oneness makes positive statements about the underlying unity of all existence. Truth is this and this. Non-duality comes up at it from a different direction. It points to truth by eliminating what it is not. It is not this, not that. Non-duality is the via negativa of Christian spirituality. This is the way of Christian mystics. Both oneness and non-duality point to the same truth. For that reason, I use the two terms interchangeably. The famous Shema of the Hebrew tradition says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all of your strength. Deuteronomy 6, 4, through 4 and 5. The Holy One of Israel is the non-dual reality that Jews and Christians call God. The New Testament teaches that everyone already knows God. The Apostle John taught that Christ is the divine Logos, that enlightens every man who comes into the world, John 1, nine, The Apostle Paul taught what may be known of God is manifest in them, referring to those who do not acknowledge God. For God has shown it to them, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse, Romans one nineteen and 20. Everyone already knows God, but people suppress the truth in unrighteousness, according to Romans one eighteen. We refuse to consciously acknowledge what we intuitively know to be truth. We have intentionally forgotten who God is and who we are.
Therefore, you already know what this book is about. You just might not know that you know. I can't tell you anything in this book that you don't already know. I could not describe non-duality to you even if I tried. Words are by nature dualistic. They operate by distinguishing this from that. Non-duality is neither this nor that. It is one. Fortunately, I don't need to describe non-duality because you already know. You just need to remember, which literally means to come back together. My goal is to remind you of what you instinctively know is true but will not admit. Although words cannot describe oneness, some words seem to have the ability to elicit memories of those times in our lives when we have been consciously aware of the real. Although memories of non-duality are not the same thing as present awareness of non-duality, memories can help us recognize it now. My memories of such times are accompanied by a wistful sense of recalling something long forgotten. It is like déjà vu. It has a feeling of familiarity. It is recognition, re-knowing, of a truth that I did not even know I knew. That is why when we hear someone speak truth, we recognize it instantly, although we cannot explain how we know it is true. It resonates with something deep within us. In my life, these experiences carry the scent of nostalgia, a longing for a forgotten home, a yearning to return and lose myself in its Edenic joy and peace. In my life, this awareness has often happened in natural settings of beauty and grandeur. Open spaces elicit openness in me. A mountain vista, an ocean seascape, a rocky stream, a mighty river, the Grand Canyon, the Milky Way, sitting by a lake at dawn. As the psalmist says, steep calls to deep, Psalm 42.7. When I learned contemplative prayer, I discovered that this open spaciousness, which I experienced in nature, was not in the external landscape, but the inner one. I had not discovered peace in the wilderness, I had brought it into the wilderness. Openness goes with me, and I can see it anywhere. It is home, love, joy, peace, God. C.S. Lewis describes an experience from his childhood. He calls it being surprised by joy in his book by the same name. He writes, First is itself the memory of memory. As I stood beside a flowering currant bush, on a summer day, there suddenly arose in me without warning, as if from a depth not of years but of centuries, the memory of that earlier morning at the old house when my brother had brought his toy garden into the nursery. It is difficult to find words strong enough for the sensation which overcame me, Milton's enormous bliss of Eden giving the full ancient meaning to enormous, come somewhere near it. It was, was a sensation, of course, of desire, but of desire for what? Not certainly for a biscuit tin filled with moss, nor even, though that came into it, for my own past. Before I knew what I desired, 
The desire itself was gone, the whole glimpse withdrawn, the world turned commonplace again, or only stirred by a longing for the longing which had just ceased. It had taken only a moment of time, and in a certain sense everything else that had ever happened to me was insignificant in comparison. That C.S. Lewis apprised by joy. Such glimpses of non-dual awareness are not uncommon. They are a common part of childhood. They are experienced by nearly everyone, although most people dismiss them as unimportant and quickly forget them. They do not realize that such experiences are an invitation from eternity. This is a book about this direct awareness of oneness. Blaise Pascal knew this oneness, as evidenced in his memorial, a scrap of paper found in the lining of his coat after his death. He carried this reminder of his experience with him always. It records Pascal's experience on one unforgettable night in 1654. The opening words of this intimate document reads, Monday, 23rd November, Feast of St. Clement, Pope and Martyr, and others in the Martyrology. From about half-past ten at night until about half-past midnight, fire. God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, and not of the philosophers and of the learned. Certitude, certitude, feeling, joy, peace. God of Jesus Christ, my God and your God. Your God will be my God forgetfulness of the world and of everything except God. In Christian spirituality, this experience of oneness is usually called union with God or communion with God. Communion literally means union with. In her 1911 classic work Mysticism, a study of the nature and development of man's spiritual consciousness, the great Christian writer Evelyn Underhill called it the unitive life. I use a variety of terms, but most often awareness, the kingdom of God, or presence. This book is an exploration of this non-dual Christian consciousness. It is written for Christians who have tasted this reality firsthand and don't know how to describe it using the pietistic language of American Christianity. They are looking for words to express their spiritual experience in a way to integrate their experience with Christian theology. Christians who have had intuitive experiences of the divine often abandon their native Christian religious vocabulary and adopt Hindu or Buddhist terminology to describe their experience. This is unfortunate and unnecessary. There's a real need these days to express the spiritual awareness to Westerners using Christian concepts. The teachings of Jesus, as well as those of the Apostles John and Paul, shine with the knowledge of the oneness of God. Christian doctrines such as the Incarnation and the Trinity can be understood only from a non-dual perspective. I hope this book will also be read by those outside of Western spiritual traditions. I have found that Americans who have embraced Eastern religious spirituality often misunderstand Christianity. They tend to know only the neighborhood church variety, 
or the parity of historic Christianity preached by fundamentalists. They tend to stereotype Christianity as dualistic, legalistic, and overly concerned with dogma. That is not the case. Christianity is non-dualistic at its heart. It is certainly true that the terms non-duality and Christianity are not usually found together. There are some exceptions. Father Richard Rohr of the Franciscan Order spoke about the relationship between non-duality and Christianity at the Science and Non-Duality Conference in 2011. He sees Christianity as essentially non-dualistic and points to the doctrine of Christ as an example. But according to him, non-duality never had a chance to flourish in the Christian West because of Christianity's early theological marriage to Greek dualistic philosophy. B.D. Griffiths, a British Benedictine monk, tried to combine Vedanta and his Christian faith and formed ashrams in South India to their end. Thomas Merton explored it near the end of his life. Trappist monk Thomas Keating has communicated the experience of oneness with God through the teaching of centering prayer. More recently, Francis Bennett, a former Trappist monk, has written about non-duality in his book I Am That I Am. But this approach still remains rare in Christian circles. When it does occur, it is usually voiced by those from the Roman Catholic monastic tradition, as evidenced by the examples just given. I am a Baptist. In fact, I would acknowledge the term evangelical to describe my religious persuasion, although I seldom use this term because of its connotations in popular American culture. I have been a Baptist minister serving as a pastor in mainline and evangelical congregations for 40 years, and my experience and understanding of reality is non-dualistic. How I came to this understanding is a story that might have value to some readers. For that reason, I have included a brief account of my spiritual journey in the final chapter of this book. But my story is not really important. In fact, it can be a distraction from the communication of the eternal reality of the oneness of God. What is important to understand is that non-duality is not at odds with Christianity. This might come as a surprise to some Christians, especially those working in the area of Christian apologetics. For many conservative and evangelical Christians, East is East, and West and West, and never the twain shall meet. Non-dualism is equated with pantheism and considered to be opposed to the biblical theistic worldview. I know this mindset well because I was a proponent of this type of Christian apologetic for many years. In reality, non-dualism transcends all ideas, philosophies, and religions. The kingdom of God, which is Jesus' term for non-dual reality, is beyond theology. Theologies are only useful when they point beyond themselves to the kingdom. That is why Jesus spoke in parables rather than give theological lectures. But more about that in the next chapter. Now I invite readers to recognize for themselves the reality of which Jesus and the apostles spoke. It is nothing other than God, the one without a second. I am the Lord, and there is no others beside me. Isaiah 45, 5. 
You have been listening to Experiencing God Directly, The Way of Christian Non-Duality. Next time I will be reading Chapter 1, entitled Jesus as a Proclaimer of Non-Duality. You can find my podcast at thedowofchrist.com. You can find my blog and a link to my books at marshalldavis.us. Join me next time for another episode of The Tao of Christ.